We're here with Real Indigenous, where we talk about everything on your screen and everything in between. And I have my regular co-host, if you'll introduce yourself. Hello, Indigenous staff, Matrix Kogi. Uh, this day, this is Yoleta Harjo. Madoweka, sunrise to Bikani. And we're here at Radio Cinema. We're recording live after having attended the Indigenous Shorts, which is part of the programming for Indigenous, or what, what are we? Native American Heritage Month, sure. <laughs> and we just saw a slate of shorts that Sunrise Tipani programmed, and we're going to have a little discussion about them. How many shorts did we see all together? Uh, there were six, six shorts. Yeah, after the last one, it seems like maybe we saw a lot more. A lot more. <laughs> I, I, was th I was sitting there thinking, I was like, hmm, I feel like Alice did the looking glass. I feel like I saw something really fun on the other side of the looking glass, got in there, and then it started getting weirder. <laughs> Did it ever come back up? When the lights came up. When the, when the lights came up. <laughs> yeah, so she's primarily talking about the last film, Tierra in Trance, from Collective Los Ingravitos. They're uh, Mexican indigenous uh, filmmakers. Yeah, so that was about 30 minutes, that one. Mm -hmm. it, it, was, it was a lot. I, you know, I've seen these kinds of films before, they're experimental films, and working with the medium of film, right, where you actually tactile, that kind of thing, and I, in watching it like on this, I think it's probably more fun for the filmmaker to do that kind of thing, just because you get to manipulate the material, the medium. Yeah, if I had seen that at a museum, I probably would have stood there for about five minutes and then <laughs> move, moved along. <laughs> so I don't know, where did you come across Well, I've just been uh, tracking their work before. Um, this is probably the longest, more, but this maybe the second longest piece I've seen of theirs. They've got one that's like an hour, um, but it's broken up into four sections. Um, and this, uh, I guess there are sort of sections to this one. There might be three or four to this one as well. But um, I've just seen their work and it's usually shorter in duration. <laughs> uh, just to help maybe give some context, um, so they're uh, what we consider to be of Aztec descent um, and most of their other short works or even the longer work are often thinking about the, um, the, what they consider to be gods. That's sort of like vocabulary that I am always uncomfortable with, but they'll talk about the um, evocation of gods. And this is something that happens with a lot of avant-garde cinema from the 60s. Anybody who was here last week, we kind of talked about that with the Fox Maxi, the sort of evoking something through the process of film. You're like calling forth something. And in this case, like bringing forth, I think, is part of that process. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think it's an accident that it feels like it's, you know, something is going on in terms of like a, a trip, right? Right. Or perhaps it's trance-like. Trance yeah. yeah, I thought of Warren mm -hmm. Real Rider for the first few minutes. So it's like, oh, this is like Warren's audio art, right? Trance-like using Mozart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then I also wish that Tully was here so that we could hear his. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I want to. I want to hear that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, and the like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 
I'm always curious how people respond to this stuff. I feel like uh, because it's it's sort of high art, right? It's sort of like it's it's official art with a capital A. Yeah. People get like real rigid when they talk about it. Like it's supposed to be very formal and. Um, I don't think we're, I think all responses are completely valid, including like walking out, you know, <laughs> you know. Uh, so I'm always curious how people respond. I sort of organized these in a, in a position where I felt like we kind of move toward a very specific position where we become like exclusively insiders to a culture. And it's so much so I think it's like a barrier for us who are not the same tribes. Um, I feel like there's a lineage for me. I always see Aztec dancers at like Comanche Homecoming, for example, and I sort of have a glimpse to some degree, and I felt like for me this is like the way I was able to understand some things that happen when they dance and what they're dancing with, the regalia, um, the, the rhythms, and the landscape. But then in this case also, I think those imagery we're seeing at the beginning and the end, I think they relate to um, these spirits, you know, these, um, whatever these spiritual elders are, I think we're somehow having an experience related to them. Yeah. And, and I think that's like something that's probably distinctive to like indigenous artwork. I feel like that kind of form of structure doesn't occur in most other non-indigenous art forms. Not in that way, anyway, but... Um. It was hard to watch. I, I had to close my eyes. I couldn't... The, the beginning, mainly, because of just, just how much fast it moved and how bright it was. It was, it was a sensory overload for me. So, but then once it got to the, the next section of it where you see all the colors and you can see the, the faces and you can see... Even the, the regalia sometimes, you know, that was fascinating to me. So I was like, wait, what are we watching here? Are we supposed to be watching this? You know, that was my next thought. Are we supposed to be watching mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Are we supposed to be watching? Yeah. 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 I feel like that's always a question when it comes to, like, spiritual depictions of things. Like, just the, the ceremony, are we supposed to be showing it? Are we supposed to talk about it? Do we show it to outsiders? Do we show it to each other? I think it's a critical question we ask when there's a future that needs to know somehow, you know, mm -hmm. like younger people, uh, for them to know anything, they've got to see it and hear it, and that means that somehow we've got to record it and present it. Right. But just spiritually, do you go into the places of spiritual circumstances? You go and show people? Which is what I found interesting about Long Line of Ladies. Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, this really bridges into that conversation about, no, so Long Line of Ladies, I mean, really touched me. Mm -hmm. Was it documentary? Was it fiction? Was it mm -hmm. scripted? Mm -hmm. You know, I have, when I started watching the credits, I was like, oh, wait a minute, these are actors? Because it felt so real. And just the emotions that they had on screen. I mean, if, if they're acting, then they need all of the Oscars. <laughs> I, I do think that this will get nominated. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, should. I do. It's incredible. It, I mean, I was looking forward to this one the most. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> and it did not disappoint no, at all. Not at all. That was, I mean, 
when he started reading that poem that he'd written for his mom, oh my gosh, I leaned over to Noetta, I was like, I'm gonna cry, here it comes. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah, that reminded me of my dad, talking about his mom, oh my gosh, and just the generations, and the healing, and the empowering of the night, and then, and then it cuts off right as they take her into the woods, right. and I was like, oh good, good. That was, that was a relief. Yeah. <laughs> Watching that, I was, I was just kind of thinking back, you know, and, and you and I are both kind of disconnected from our heritage, Angela, so I was just kind of thinking about how, you know, growing up, I didn't know there was this kind of ceremony. You know, this was some, you know, that time of becoming a woman, you know, was something very special within the tribes, you know, as I found out when I was an adult. Um, but, it, you know, growing up disconnected to, and not having that support system like that, it, it kind of makes you kind of ashamed in a way, you know, and, it, and it's something that's kind of embarrassing if you're not connected, if you don't have people telling you that this is what this means and this is, this is how we move forward. And um, so that's kind of the thoughts I had while watching that one because it, it, hit, it hit very personal to me. So I, I really like that one too. And, and it, I mean, everything was so real about that. The, 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 the dance, the, the instruction that the young lady was getting, and then the, uh, the support of not just the women in, in the film, but the men too, because they had specific duties that they had needed to do, and they were very, very proud to be there to do that for that young lady. So, you know, it was really, really real to me watching it. Oh, 100%, yeah. And I made a note on my phone while we were watching that, you know, we've seen, through Native Crossroads and other film festivals, kind of that tendency originally for us to tell these stories of our, you know, of our beginnings and then all of the colonization. And it's nice to see this more granular look at trauma and recovery and, re and resistance and resilience. And, and that was particularly obvious in yours, Jason, just because you see this man who's really struggling with his demons and his friends that care so much about him. And it's, and it's, it's a way more one-on-one -on -one individual look at those things that we carry with us. And I, I thought that was so important to see that in that thread through these films is seeing how it affects us now individually and how the people in the film were trying to break that cycle for him you know is that was was that part of your filmmaking thought process or what started what was the genesis of that whole film so <clears throat> i was i was specifically trying to stay away from being like a didactic or like judgmental or or either away from this kind of idea of like breaking cycles or whatever because in a, I went I was trying to make this specific I wrote this script a long time ago like 2008 or 9 or something I never thought I'd get to make it and then the city of Albuquerque funded it the state of New Mexico uh, funded post-production and I was lucky enough to make it and I was just like I'm gonna make this the way I want and it was just like just this story about like a this real person that I knew, you know, in Marlin, but but it wasn't necessarily. It was about the spirit of him. It was about like the, you know, I, I imagined 
this is the way I kind of imagined him. It's not actually about like the, 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 the there's obviously his poetry at the end, but you know I actually write my own poetry just in the beginning and in the middle of just imagining who he was. So it was mo mostly just like this like a tone poem kind of like homage to this guy's this friend of mine's spirit, this really cool dude that I met in film school who was older than us, but was going down this bad path. Um, I guess that was that. What I don't know if that answers your question, but um, yeah, yeah. It was just I really wanted to stay away from just like a, it's not about. I, I want to just tell this person's story, and I don't want to like say this is the right way to do things or the wrong way to do things. This is an artist that I knew, and this is unfortunately the path that happened to him, or his path did, did not go the way it should. It, it went about down a way, uh, the wrong way. But you know, he wrote beautiful poetry, and he touched various people, me included. Uh, we thought we, he was like a cool dude, and I, I'd hoped that he would get over this hump, but he didn't quite get there. But you know, and many people go through this process, and it's part of artistic process, unfortunately, uh, and, and and not our not artistic process, we're just alive, really. But, but yeah, yeah, I definitely felt like because of your subtlety, there was care and without judgment mm -hmm. and kind of the way that you have to uh, negotiate that with someone that you care about. You can't, eat, I mean, when you're around somebody, you need to support them. You can't be like, you can't do that without pushing them away. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like a, a figuring out where you sit sometimes and when you vocalize it is, I feel like part of what you're talking about. Like how, how much do we preach? How much do we not? How much do we just, show or just let things exist and just be you know subtly suggestive of things and it feels like that is um definitely something that i see there and that feels like a that makes it real number one but it also shows that there's like this maturity about like this person that you care about that's amazing I definitely feel like it's like a middle-aged kind of film. Because <laughs> like, I am a middle-aged man. <laughs> I look back at all the films that like young indigenous filmmakers are making, the short films and stuff, and it's all like, I feel a little bit separate in the sense of like, everyone's like talking about specifically these carnals of language and what well, you're talking about, this healing process. I'm just like, uh, you know, talking about identity, and I'm just like going, I'm so far, like not in that realm anymore. Like, I'm like, I'm thinking about like universal truths, and I'm making this film that has no specific tribal specificity whatsoever, mm -hmm. that's just about like the Southwest, mm -hmm. and I'm using like a Kateri Lopez soundtrack, which is primarily Southwest Spanish influenced, although it was supposed to be like Tohana Atham, um, music but we didn't get the accordionist there in time but it's just like all these different i'm thinking about like different things now at 50 than i was like i mean i've gone through all that anyway i know the, i know who the fuck i am i'm Comanche Muscogee. i don't need to talk about identity it's like mm -hmm. i'm thinking I mean, i'm not saying that what i'm thinking about is bigger themes but it's just like they're different themes they're like mm -hmm. middle-aged themes they're just like talk just thinking about like you know your the friends that you made and the, and the people that didn't make it, and then the things that you that are important to you, and the um, the work that you want to continue to do, like the, what's important to you. I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, that definitely seems to be it. There's like this motif of reflection, like not just you, but that's what we're watching the character do um, in the process of writing. It feels like that's what the characters that care about him are doing. They're reflecting on him, reflecting about their relationships, and then it feels like we're also put in a position where we have to reflect. Mm -hmm. It does feel. And it's such a contrast to the films like of Black Horse Low, who shoots in the same locale. Yeah, literally the same locale, right? Yeah, it's literally. Like the same elements. And but. I know, I know him. I know yeah, the guy. Yeah. You know the guy. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I know the guy. But yeah, just your your eye for that locale is just so very different than his. And it's just it's a love letter to Albuquerque, right? I mean, everything's just so pretty. <laughs> well, New Mexico is pretty, you know. <laughs> but in particular, like a lot of those shots are like like there's there's no cactus in Albuquerque. Is not really cactus like that in New Mexico, like. But, the, but the, again, the idea is like this is a Southwest film, and like Marlin is actually Tahana Ockham from two, like South Tucson, which is that's where the the res is. Mm -hmm. But I live in Albuquerque, and I think of when I think of that person, that friend of mine, I think of just the Southwest, and I think of those memories that I had with him and the, the girlfriend I had at the time. We would go visit him, and we and, and, and just go to San Javier Church. And, and just go hang out in Tucson and go watch bands and just, you know, it's just like, um, to me, the Southwest is just like a specificity of like, it, it, it includes like the Saguaro cactuses, but it also is like the Sandia Mountains, which is in Albuquerque. Um, but yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, like I would say like, it, as you know, I collaborate with Black Horse, he's a good friend of mine, of course, and, and we have very similar aesthetics, but this is actually the first film I've done I would say in the, like the last two films, he, he was there as in some capacity, like as a producer or like a, you know, helping, with, helping with like a camera operator. This time was the first time I did something completely separate from him. And I was actually very like non-confident about it. I was like, how the fuck am I gonna do this? Really? <laughs> he's always, he's been there for the last 10 years. But, but a lot of the crew that we used, a lot of the friends that we, that we, that we have, that we worked together on many productions, rose up, you know, and then I incorporated some other new people, and that's just what happens with art. He's like, you bring new people mm -hmm. in, and sometimes it's interesting flavors, and sometimes you're like, why? <laughs> but, but, you know, in this case, it, you know, you just make it work. But, yeah, I was happy. It was, it's, 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 a, it's very different than, than, than how usual collaborations like Bella Blackers would have been. I hope, it makes sense, and I hope you know all you can do is just do it. And then, like, this is the this is the first time I've showed it to anybody. It's actually not quite done, but it's <laughs> we're still tweaking it. But but you know, it's like it's almost done. And, uh, so yeah, this is the first time I've showed it. So we're we're ready for the director's cut. Is yeah, that we're yeah, waiting for the director's cut. <laughs> three hours. <laughs> By the way, the dog was awesome. The dog. The opening scene with the dog. dog was just so awesome. I, I almost didn't include the dog. It was in the script, and then my DP was like, "You gotta put the dog in." I was like, mm -hmm. "They say don't make movies with dogs and babies." Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "This is gonna be too much trouble." But <laughs> she talked me into it. So yeah, I'm glad that they did that. I'm glad you guys like that. So. Yeah, the dog was awesome. Awesome. <laughs> and James Welch is the name of the dog. He's a one of my favorite. Uh, I think he's a Blackfeet, Blackfeet writers. Yeah. yeah great mm. writer. What was the book you wrote? Um, I read it. What was it? 
Oh my God. Is that one of Jake's last one? Yeah. And they made it into a movie. Which one? They made it into a movie. Can you remember the title of it? Winter in the Blood. Winter in the Blood. Oh, yes. Winter in the Blood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That movie was all over the place. Good soundtrack. One of my former ski riding teachers and I helped write that movie. So sorry to my wife. I didn't mean to throw you under the bus there. <laughs> well, it was a good book. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. What else have we not talked about? Which, which short have we not talked about? Well, I mean, Joey's. Joey Cliff, Joey's my first Native American boyfriend. Mm -hmm. I know. Okay, so there was this, when I was a TA at, at OU, it was one of the Intro to Native American Studies classes. And of course, you know, you get athletes and people who have no idea about Native people, and there was this one foreign exchange student. I had them write um, uh, what they think Native American studies was. And her, one of her, part of her response said, I was expecting to see Native Americans who turned into werewolves, like they do in Twilight. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, so that cracked me up seeing that, because it, it just brought me back to that, and the perception that non-Native have of, of Native people. It, particularly, you know, because of Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, we on the podcast have visited with Joey before. Yeah. And he is delightful. He's so funny. And if you haven't watched Spirit Rangers, I pushed it, you know, I pushed it out there last time I was here. Please do. And he was one of the writers on that. But you can also find his shorts. One of them was playing in the background about it, telling somebody you're a bear. If, which is a really cute about explaining being native. So, but I think he was, did he, did he shoot it in the same area as you? I don't know. I oh, because I think, I want to say he's in Santa Fe, I can't I remember. I was in California. Oh, maybe yeah. so. I thought it was in California. Uh, okay. That's what I was thinking. Maybe so, but very funny. All of the confessions. <laughs> I dressed up like Pocahontas when I was five. I bought my daughter a Pocahontas doll. Confe true confession. <laughs> she loved the movie. She loved the little raccoon. Uh, you know, what do you do? She's, she's a kid. The, the twist at the end, though, like, oh, I asked you because you're a werewolf, because I am. That was hilarious. <laughs> and that's why you broke up with her? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it wasn't the, all the little microaggressions. It was because she was a werewolf. <laughs> it was the aggression aggression. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was really impressed with that uh, makeup. I thought that was really amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, it was. Yeah, that was pretty good. Especially if, if you watch the Twitter, have you watched the Twitter best were werewolf transformation <laughs> video that's saw going that. around? Yeah, I saw that. Oh. Yes. With the, the laser eyes. The laser wolf. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how you tell what made it all right. It's like that wolf werewolf transformation. It's all professional. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I have this, I just, the Headhunters, Headhunters, that's like the second time I saw that. I, 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 I'm drawn to country music, I love, there's like a, a vibe there that I love, and the, the, the color, the sound, the, yeah, there's like a melancholy there, mm -hmm. and um, I think it was Adam Peronin said something 
to the effect of like when, when it comes to short films, there's this more not necessarily about, <clears throat> of a, I, I'm paraphrasing, but like a vibe and not necessarily like a beginning, middle, and end, which I don't necessarily know if I uh, subscribe to that, but when it comes to that film, I definitely understand there's like a tone, there's a mood that like all the way through, you're just like, I was engaged all the way through. It's like, what is going on here? And there's questions are not, that are not necessarily answered. There's like a lot of open spaces. And there's mm -hmm. like a lot of breathing room. That's what I like about that film. Like, and I appreciate it, I guess it's maybe the third time, second or third time, but, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I like it. Even every time I watch it, I'm like, this is, this is cool. Did it change this time for you? It's the same. I'm like, hmm, I still like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't dislike this. I like it still. And I still always think of that film that we screened at Native Crossroads about the old couple up in the mountains that had to, had all the things that went wrong. Oh my gosh, it was right before quarantine. Is it short? No, it was a feature. And like they ended up having to kill their llama and their son died and their house burned. And you know, it was just one horrible thing that happened to them after another. And I was like, oh, it's gonna be one of those movies. <laughs> Native long, large than true. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the world punishing us. Yes. Um, yeah, it almost goes in that direction. I feel like there's like mm -hmm. uh, almost tragedy after tragedy, and maybe the music is going to be the moment of kind of maybe not necessarily redemption, but at least like this great moment of hope. And it's it's sort of taken away from us, kind mm -hmm. of almost like the ceremony. I think in Long Line of Ladies, mm -hmm. um, maybe something we're not supposed to see, but we know its meaning. I don't know. That's the way that I sort of weigh that. I know almost everybody that I know that watches it. They're all we want. They're all wanting to hear that song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. But I was glad that she didn't play it. I really liked the, the music. I, so I thought it was interesting that they started with an English-speaking song at the very beginning of the film, and then the rest of it was in a foreign language. So, but this, the music was beautiful. I mean, the, the girl, she can play the guitar really well. I was like really impressed with the music. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I, I think her father there at the end is able to hear the song for some reason, but we can't. You know, the person who needed to hear it, I think, heard it. That's sort of like the, the message that I took away from it. Um, but yeah, I think we, I, th I think you would definitely walk away believing in her talent. Well, so probably behind, after Long Line of Ladies, my next favorite one was Caking the Clouds because it was like watching all of my family's home movies and listening to the, the interviews we would have done with our little tape recorders as kids, you know, where you have to push play and record at the same time and you set it on the kitchen table and everybody just starts telling stories. And it, I don't, it nostalgia, yeah. And an important story, absolutely told through basically it seemed like found media which i i loved it i loved it i thought it was great the, the imagery was really like you said it's like a home movie but it 
the way it just kind of went with the story, you didn't see anybody speaking. I thought that was kind of neat, to, a way to tell the story through the, the pictures, you know, and when, like when she was talking about her beadwork, her grandmother's beadwork and, and the language, you know, and, and showing that connection to their heritage there and, and then the trauma that came with it, you know, that to me, in most in most films, you you see you see the person's face, so you see the trauma there. And in this one, you just kind of connect to the imagery and and kind of feel the sadness of, of what she's saying instead. Yeah, yeah and I, I kept finding that like the trees and then the forest started to have this other meaning in relation to a metaphor about language and our culture. I always think about we're not out of the woods yet. Yeah. Kind of, it feels like we're following this path. That's a path that he takes in a lot of his movies, but this one he kind of gets out of the forest a little bit more than he has in the past. I feel like, oh, we're like in the clearing. We're like starting to see something now, now that we're kind of out, I guess. Yeah. And then the clouds, I mean, it's in the title, Kicking the Clouds, but the way that we kind of piece together things that we're seeing in the clouds, we sort of see something sometimes, sometimes we don't, sometimes it breaks apart, sometimes it coalesces and coheres. I feel like that's, a lot about language and my understanding of culture. I feel like I start to connect to the past a little bit more in the way that I think about the clouds. And uh, that always puts me in a position, just me? Am, am, I, am I piecing together something because it's, it's just me like bringing these ideas together or is that actually what it is? And I feel like that's what happens when you like look at a cloud to some degree, maybe. I, that was what my dad and I always did. We'd, sit in the backyard and would look at the clouds and see what coalesced. So I, I think it's what, what was interesting about that is, I think it's whatever memories you bring with you to watch it is what resonates with you with that film. Because just kind of the casual way they talk about the boarding schools and it is just like sitting around the table with your family and just talking about the people that have gone on in a, such a way that it's even more relatable because they're no longer there to reflect that pain. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, it does to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Because, yeah. I mean, that, I, I have that lived experience. Yeah. You know, being my grandmother, having survived the boarding school, never talked about it. Right. Never told us that she was in a boarding school. My mother told me that she went to the boarding school, but my mother didn't know her experience. Right. She never talked about it. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about, is having that one generation removed conversation about that legacy, which makes it more relatable. Because I'm sure your grandmother was like, mm -mm, we're not talking about that. I've, I survived it. I've moved on. The words boarding school never came up. You know, there was just never any talk about what her life was like when she was a girl. There was never any talk about, you know, when she met my grandfather. Um, you know, it was, it was never a conversation that came up. It was always something else to talk about. Yeah, and it seemed like those things then become about the present. And that seems to be in the tape, too. It feels like they're, like, cooking dinner or something, or, like, yeah. in a kitchen or something, doing other things. And, um, yeah, then it, there's, like, a bouncing back and forth between what happened and then we're surviving now. Let's talk about now. Yeah. Exactly. And, and talking about grief and not being able to be, I really resonated, you know, when you lose, lose somebody like that and, and it just kind of stops everything for a little while. But, but then there's also like a resurrection. There's like calling forth, I'm just going to tie it back to the last film, 
where like the film is like calling something back, like a spirit. And in this way, the tape is, you know, bringing someone back for a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? I mean, there are definitely like very traditional people and very tr- more traditional tribes that will be like, don't record, don't photograph, you're bringing this person back. And uh, that is what's happening. You know, we're in the presence of that person when that tape is played. When I think about, uh, when I think about Scott, I think I think about, it was 2020 Sundance, the last one before, the last live one before this next one. And I had gone there as a journalist specifically. And I had this little, he had like a little, like a, I don't know what you call it, like a, there's a few journalists that got to go there and speak to him after the screening. Mm-hmm. We had to like set up a schedule appointment. There was like a five or six or whatever. And everyone had asked pretty much the, whole, the generic white person questions that you would ask a filmmaker. <laughs> but I was like, say, I was think I, w- I'm, I was primarily interested. I think his that film that he had screened was like Malmi. Malmi, yeah, the feature. Yes. Yeah, and like I was primarily interested in the the fact that he's Ho Chunk from a not from where he made that film, which is like I want to say well, it was definitely the West Coast, and he had kind of immersed himself in a different language, in a different mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how do you do that? How do you make a film about like when you're dealing with different protocols? You're not even dealing with your own culture. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with a whole other type of culture. And I can't exactly remember what he said. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like super fascinated about it. I mean, he probably did answer it, but he's such a wordsmith. Like he's like a yeah. da, 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 like poetic kind of, I don't want to say mumbo jumbo, but I was just like, I didn't understand a thing you said. <laughs> and I'm still intrigued by like, yeah, that kind of, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I don't connect with the films at all. It's just, it's too, um, I don't know. I, don't, I, I just don't, it's too Stan Brackage-esque. It's too like, kind of yeah. like, you know, experimental yeah. for me. I'm more of a narrative guy. But I appreciate what he's doing. I don't necessarily understand it all the time. And I, I think he's important. But yeah, and he's definitely smart. And, He's, he's, uh, he's doing important things, obviously, because he's a MacArthur genius grant award winner. So, so, yeah, yeah. Good. That's awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, just, but I think it goes back to that whole idea that you can just track, leave your community. I assume he grew up in his community. I want to say he did. And just like, travel to the West Coast and just immerse yourself in another culture. And just, like, I even, I want to say he was like helping with language of another culture, right? Yeah. I mean, that's like fucking, that's difficult. That's difficult to do in your own tribe. I've tried to do it in my own tribe, and it was like I couldn't even deal with those tribal politics. But to throw yourself at another tribe's politics and just be like, I'm going to help you guys learn your language. And I think he even tried to learn their language too, right? Yeah, I think he did learn a little bit of it. Yeah. That's wow. insane. Yeah. But he is, he is definitely somebody who's very hyper aware of language, like what you're talking. and. I think it's on a structural level, like as a linguist, yeah. and also like verging into kind of anthropology, like what the word etymologies mean, and so I think he stitches that into the way that he talks, definitely, and it's and in the film a little bit. Um, I mean, there, there are definitely other films where he's got like text literally on the screen, yeah, stringing in as an image and sort of like a, a, a like tactile sometimes. Yeah. But um, yeah, he, he seems to be inserting himself into a, another 
tribe, and uh, I think I that's don't important. Know anyone else you know? doing that? I, not, not on this level. Yeah, yeah totally. And it, if we think about that politics, uh, going into your own tribe and trying to document does get mired in tribal politics. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, there's no way to escape that. But if you have an outsider that comes in, and one that's not necessarily, you know, completely non-indigenous, they're not as threatening, and like, oh, you understand? Okay, so, yeah, we'll let you in, and then you're not tied to the tribal politics as much. I feel like it might be a way to get closer to some of the, uh, you know, whatever, whatever you're after in this sort of... I think it takes just a superhuman super effort because it's like, I can't even do that with my own tribe. And it's like, to go to someone else's tribe and like, I'm just gonna help you guys. That's crazy to me. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, I mean, he's sort of a cultural anthropologist, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Via film. Via film, mm -hmm. despite its poetics. Just like serving a scientific function. Yeah. And he's super nice. I mean, when I was yeah. talking to him, and, yeah. yeah, like I said, I mean, he wasn't trying to like, like do this, you know. He was just that's the way he talks. And I was like, I don't think you, I don't understand. Then you said, okay, <laughs> I didn't even write a piece about it. I was like, I can't make any sense of what you said. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, he's definitely a language genius. I think yeah. language. It's like seeing all sorts of structures of language. I literally saw the words like on the, like on the air, like with this film. Yeah, I can't make any sense of that. When he talked to me for the interview. Yeah. I feel like Guy Narcomi is kind of like that a little bit. Like, mm, I'm a Comanche linguist. Yeah. He helped write one of the dictionaries, but he's like, I feel like he hear, hears rhythm and like sees like the breakdown of like the logic of how you're making a statement. Both in Comanche and in English, it feels like he, he sees it simultaneously. It's like a completely foreign to me. Some weird people, man. <laughs> so, do we have any comments or questions from anybody out there? Just holler them out. Yeah. So the question was, how do we go about reconnecting with our tribes? Yes. yes. So Nona, you want to start? Well, I got lucky because um, whenever I went to OU, I found several cousins who were willing to take me under their wing and, and show me whatever it is I needed to know. Um, one in particular, my Osage cousin, um, she was like, you are going to ceremony. You are doing this. You need to learn this. This is what, this is the word for this. You know, she, it was little by little, you know, daily, little tips about being Osage. And so um, I haven't learned everything and I, I don't pretend that I know anything actually, but just knowing the little bit that I do and it made me feel comfortable enough to go and explore it on my own. So, but yeah, that, that's, that's my story. And I was just really lucky to find a cousin who was willing to, to uh, teach me those things. And I was lucky enough to have my birth mother's name on an original birth certificate and a researcher, when I was working at OU, a researcher managed to find a relative who found my birth family, my birth mother, and we connected 13 years ago. And 
you know, it's just a matter of me going up there and asking the questions, and my brother shows me around and introduces me to people. And interestingly enough, I've probably made more connections through social media with other Inupiaq artists and, and activists. And, you know, they have a tribal college in Utkagvik that teaches Inupiaq. So I've signed up for language classes and, you know, just absorbing what people are talking about on social media, asking the questions, and them knowing that I'm coming from a place of sincerity, that I'm not trying to make fun of them or leverage it to my advantage or anything like that. You know, I'm, will I end up on a pretendian list somewhere? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, there were also um, Facebook groups, social media groups, the, uh, the cultural groups, language groups, you know, and uh, they have cultural classes nearby as, as far as like um, Osage did. They have like a group in Edmond. Um, so that was easy to be able to sign up to find out, you know, when the language courses were going to be or if there was going to be a meeting. and a dinner or something, you know, food always brings people around, so always look for the food. <laughs> and I was lucky enough to be part of Matriarch OK, OKC, and I learned a lot through that organization and did a lot of networking with natives down here that showed me more of what happens in the powwow culture, since my people don't do that. But it was nice to be able to connect and understand what they're saying and what, what they do just as general information. But it's, it's, it's not easy. I mean, there's a lot of suspicion out there when you do try to reconnect, and, and rightfully so. I mean, there's been a lot of exploitation of that kind of thing. So I understand it 100%. I just wish it, was, it could be a little bit easier for those of us that are sincerely trying to reconnect. Like if they had an ambassador or something that would, that would vet you. And you know, see where you're coming from, and then be like, "Okay, you're cool. Come on in," you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and these classes, the Inupiaq classes, those were virtual. Or yeah, you know? then they did that through distance learning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, how do you maintain that? Are you like? I have not been able to. Now there are a lot of videos out there that I watch, try to hear the language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the hard part. That's the hard part if you're not using it all the time. Like when I met my Anna for the first time, um, she was talking to all of her friends and I, I could pick up like every 20 words or something. But you hear the tone, you hear what, you see their, their body moving and you know what they're talking about. Yeah, especially <laughs> women, you know, they're talking about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so you can pick up what is what they're talking about, not specifically what they're saying, but you know, when they're talking about so and so, you know, which is, I mean, and that's just fun to know that we all have that similarity through what we say and do. Mm -hmm. You know, like gestures or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. And yeah. laughing. I mean, everybody loves to laugh. And Native women laugh a lot. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Very true. And loudly. <laughs> Does that answer your question? Yes. Yeah. Any other questions or comments? Any question for the filmmaker? 
Yeah, if you're raising your hand, we can't really see you, so just yell it. No? Okay, so should we do final thoughts? We'll start with you, Jason. Final thoughts on the evening of programming? Boom! It's you. Well, thank you to Sunrise for inviting me to screen this film. Um, thank you. It was really cool to be able to share it here in Oklahoma, where I'm from, uh, and see what it looked like on a big screen and what it sounded like. And maybe a couple things in my water tweet. <laughs> I'll get back with my Andrew on that. <laughs> that note, note's out. Yeah, note's out. But yeah, I was happy to be able to share that. I appreciate all of you know the six or eight of you here, <laughs> <laughs> including my sister <laughs> <laughs> and the person who works here. <laughs> Thanks taking. Thanks yeah. taking. It's a holiday where we all get together. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope everyone has a good time doing that tomorrow. Thank you. Okay, Noeta, you, you're next. Um, well, it was a fun night. This is my first time being here, so thank you, Sunrise, for inviting us to come up here and watch these films. I'm glad I actually got to come this month because I've been wanting to come all month and I haven't had a chance. So, um, but. And this is the first time that I'm actually in person with you guys since getting on the podcast. So, yeah, I've only been with the podcast since yeah. May, June, something like that. So, yeah, this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. The films, um, you know, they were all they were all great. I really liked Joey's the best because it made me laugh, you know. But um, there was a lot of emotion in, in some of them, a lot of intrigue as far as, because there was a lot of openness, like, like uh, Jason said in a couple of the films. But the last one gave me a headache. I, <laughs> say, I really do have a headache right now. So sorry. <laughs> that's, that's sometimes what happens in a ceremony, I think. This is true. This is true. <laughs> he did warn us. He did, he did, and, and I thank you for that. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> It's hard to say because I've been living with this for a while. Uh, I just want to thank everybody for coming. Those are my last thoughts. Thank you so much. Oh, I guess I could say very briefly as a last thought. I'm going to insert um, just uh, this is uh, we're almost at the end of the programming. There's one more film that will play next week. A Winner's Love. It's a great film um, uh, directed by Rihanna Yazi a Deneh filmmaker, and she'll be in a great conversation with also Deneh filmmaker Nanaba Becker. They're both also working on the set of Dark Winds, so I'm very curious to hear that, how that's going to play out. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's my last thought. So come back for that. <laughs> well, I thought the programming was great. I love the progression that you put together. I think it was really brilliant, and I think it's wonderful that Rodeo is hosting these during this month, and thank you for doing that. I would encourage everyone, especially, I mean, I hate to say it, but all you ladies probably need to see Long Line of Ladies. It was really, really, really good. Yeah, it's, it's very 
touching. I mean, I don't know about healing, but you know, it, it was just, it was really nice to see women be respected and, and nurtured into womanhood. Yeah. So with that, I'll thank everybody for being here. Kiana Pak. And remember, don't just keep it real. Are we going to say this together? <laughs> come on, let's say it all together. You never get it right. Let's come on. Yeah, come on. Don't just keep it real. Keep it real, real indigenous. indigenous. The first time you, you saw it live. You saw it live. It happened. Thank you. Bye.